Anyway, huge successful game, exactly. <laughs> Very lively first thing in the morning. I still think I'm common. I don't think I'm middle class. I think I aspire to middle class. You're common as custard. I'm common as custard. My nan would Ooh, say. Ooh, common as custard. Yeah. My nan used to say I'd go to the foot of our stairs, which was unusual because she lived in a bungalow. <laughs> she never had any stairs, poor soul. We live in home. See you later. See you. Me and my girl made for each other. Actually, it was funny because Jessica Martin was saying that that was coming back. And when I was listening to that taxi driver and he was talking about class and he had this woman whose son went to Eton at the back, and she was terribly, terribly... I thought, my God, you sit at the back of cabs now, you have a private conversation on your phone, and the cab driver's ear-wigging so he can come on to LBC and tell people. I thought, that's the last... I'm not... Next time Barbara wins the phone's me in the back of the car, or, or Scott, I'm going to go, not now, I'm in a cab, I'm in a cab. He'll, he'll, re- he'll Listen, he's copying it down. <laughs> Put the phone down quick. But me and my girl was all about the class divide. It was about the posh people who ended up singing, any time your Lambeth boy... And doing all that, you know, you'll find us all doing the Lambeth Walk. Oi, mind you, we did that, the Rattlings, on Sunday. We were doing the Lambeth. We were singing, people were doing Havana Gila. It was all going on. It was fabulous. What a day. What a day. Anyway, what a day it is. It's only Tuesday. Sorry to tell you that. I know you wish it was Wednesday or Friday, but it is only Tuesday. But it's an interesting, it's an interesting conundrum, isn't it? What class are you? Are you the class that your parents were? In which case, my parents would have been... Working class, aspiring to middle, I would have assumed. Because, strange though it might seem, you know, we were all from, from you know, Gants Hill and places like that, Wanstead, and, and yet my father went into the forces, so I think that takes you up a notch, doesn't it? I think, that, I think you can move up. Although, to be honest with you, I don't think it actually matters where you are. Because you get, I mean, I mean if, if, if you think class is money, then it's definitely not. And it means that I'm probably very upper class. And, well, especially after the 84 million. Oh, I promised I'd never tell anybody. So sorry, I did ask for anonymity. Can you imagine going in there and going, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll take the money. And they get, I know, you could tell, I bought the page. I've, I've bought some items today, and it's, I'm doing it slowly. Doing it slowly, because I thought, you can keep it going for ages. Do you know that they, they had more than, I think it was 100 people who phoned up to pretend that they'd won. And they waste Camelot's time. They go, yeah, I've, I've won. They go, yeah, of course, Chef. Where'd you buy the, where'd you buy the ticket? Yeah, they go, OK, are you won? All right. Where, where, where should we send the cheque to? Pentonville? Yeah, right, OK, we'll send it there, love. <laughs> it's madness, isn't it? But anyway, somebody's got it. And if you think about it, if it's a rich person anyway, they don't want publicity, and nobody would know that they've got £84.4 million. Pounds. Just a huge amount. Of it. I would be very generous. I said I would give money to people at work. I would put everybody's name in a hat, except the producer, because she's got the DVD player, and, and then I would take everybody's name out, and they would all get sums of money from, a, from a £1,000 to £20,000. Because you could do that. I don't know how many people work at LBC. Is it 20 people, 30 people? Well, I mean, and out of the amount of... Yes, how many people work for LBC? How many do we think it is? Was it? Including presenters. Well, I wouldn't, I wouldn't put presenters in. I'd just put the staff in because the presenters earn too much. So probably... Oh, we can find out. We can have a check at how many people work for LBC. Not how many people are here, how many people actually work. <laughs> that's, that's completely different. So we'll find out. And, um, yeah, it's not going to be able to find out. I think it's... Pr- about 25, 30 people. So even if you gave them all, it just suppose it was 30 people. If you gave them all £20,000, that'd only be 600000 wouldn't it? So I could do that, but I could almost stretch to 40000 couldn't I? Because no, they'd take it over the million. I only want to... Yeah, I, I'm not, I'm not going to do that, actually. Uh, Young says, you didn't seem to believe that Alan has got a little bit of Greek in him last uh, Thursday. I'm pretty sure that Alan mentioned he was half Greek. 
No, I think he said he'd had a kebab once. I don't think that makes him Greek. But he's not in today, so we uh, we can't find out. But I would I would love to find it. I mean, somebody says, look at his colourings. I don't know, I've got no idea. Really no idea. Thank you to Badger, who says, I heard you saying yesterday morning you missed the Danny LaRue auction. I made it and uh, got his Bassy number and a Lily Savage one and sent me in a photo. Very nice. Very nice. How much do you pay? How much do you pay? Oh, I promise to tell you. Before I go into the papers, and I've got, I've got to whiz into the papers quickly this morning because there's some very, very good stories, and I have to thank various people as well. But the Steve Allen Apple iPhone 3GS. Remember we did that on Sunday? The person who won it is not picking up their phone again. <coughs> Excuse me. Now, this is the second time that they're not picking up. Don't worry, we do persevere. We don't. It's, it's not like a raffle where they go, is anybody here? 32 red. No? OK, let's put it back in again. It's not like that. So whoever won the Apple iPhone G 3GS on Sunday, I can tell you that the bid went for £1.40. The phone went for £1.40 in a bid made at 09.44.03. Pick up your phone. If you made the bid of £1.40, it's yours. How not £1.40, I tell you. I should be coming round, actually, to take it away from you. Of I want a new phone. Right, quickly through the uh, papers, because I know that Anthony... Uh, did Anthony... I can't remember if he did the papers this morning. I got a bit carried away at the end of my thing. I was too busy discussing with Richard Hakia how much... Because he wants to open a nudist camp. So he's, he's decided this is a business plan, but a nudist camp with a difference. Only for attractive people. <laughs> so, quite clearly, he can't be opening it himself, can he? And, and I thought to myself, why would you want to open a new discount? He said, because you don't want people who need ironing. You just want people who are attractive. And I said, well, what's the criteria? And he, he, he blushed. He's at that age, he can still blush. And he wouldn't tell me what the criteria was. But I gather half the newsroom are apparently eligible for going to it. Holly's top of the list, I think. He likes Holly. Actually, he likes anybody, to be honest. He comes... We were talking this morning about Billy Piper. And he went, cool, Billy Piper. I said, don't fancy Billy Piper. He said, yeah. I said, is there anybody you don't fancy? Well, it was at that moment I had to go and drink my tea elsewhere. Uh, right, in the papers today, here she is again. This is the uh, the woman who brought down Lord Trisman. Her name is um, Miss Jacobs. She's very peculiar. That's all I'll tell you. You've only got to look at the pictures. She's now started telling people about the revelations in the Daily Star, how I scored with the lusty Lord. And she says here... You've seen the pictures of her? Have you seen the pictures of this? Ah, right. Yes, come and have a look at the pictures of her. Because she's got that kind of look to her. She's wearing sandals. I find it a bit of a worry. And she's talking about how he loved caressing her body. Melissa, Melissa Jacobs secretly recorded the Labour peers' bribery claims. I mean, she's... Uh, I don't want to be rude about it. She, yeah, but she doesn't quite look as though she's all there, does she? She's 37 and she beds this old, this old fruit here. The normal kind of kiss and no, well, that's what they say. They, they say she doesn't look like a bimbo, no. but they say do actually check out the sandals she's wearing. Yeah. They, they do. They do look a bit orthopedic. <laughs> one of the Sue so, 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 so Carroll, and also she's got one of those. She looks a bit odd. Well, Sue so, so, so Carroll says she looks a bit peculiar. The she's dress not. Dress doesn't suit her complexion. No, no, because she's. And also, why would you want to sleep with some old fool like that? Uh, but then. You go, to, you go to dinner with him. She grooms him for a year, all right? She does the whole, caress my body. She said, because you really thought I was sexy. Needs to look in the mirror a bit more, love. And then she wires herself up with a tape machine and records him and then flogs it to a paper. What a lovely lady. Yes, what a charming old bag you are, darling. Why do, but you're right, she does not look like the normal kiss-and-tell bimbo. 
but she's obviously not all there in the upstairs department. And she kept... She kept all of the text messages, Amanda. So every text message she ever sent, she saved them. But they weren't... They, they, they weren't particularly rude or sexual. It says here, Honey, it's an outrage, but didn't you do well? You're in my thoughts and big kisses. And that is apparently a sex... T- Perhaps... I mean, that's really steamy. Perhaps for her. Perhaps for poor old Melissa, who obviously couldn't get anything for a year, and so she goes for that. But, I mean, really, darling, you've sold yourself cheap, haven't you? You just... It's... What woman, in their right mind, records an old fool saying, you know, things which... Frankly, I'm not bothered about the FA Cup, but the money we could lose in this country through your actions is absolutely catastrophic. All the columnists have said, do you realise what you've done? Sitting there with your smug, stupid little grin, thinking you're some big, clever woman, you're not. You're not. And everybody who looks at you will say exactly the same. I'll tell you what they're all talking about, and I'm so sorry to mention it again. It's this ghastly programme with Richard Madeley on, who is now turned into a Z-list celebrity, with um, Nick Hancock... Rosemary Schrager, who they describe as the tugboat, and they're going round Britain on a boat. I mean, it's a a stupid programme. It is absolutely stupid. You don't like any of the people on it, but nobody likes Rosemary Schrager. This is this woman. I mean, the only person who likes her is Julie Peasgood. Julie Peasgood loves her. She said she's really good fun. I said, no, she's one of these people on television who doesn't have a personality... Uh, and yet goes on television and thinks that to be personality, you have to laugh a lot and go, ha, ah, oh, look at I'm doing, oh, the way he, oh, look at it, all oh, heavens above, look at that. It's a bit Les Dawson kind of humour, but she's just not very good. And so now, as opposed to being a cook on the television and trying to be good at one thing, they think they're personalities, and so they go on a reality show. Richard Madeley, who can't get arrested for love nor money. I'd have rather have seen Judy Finnegan on that boat, actually. Lucky, well, well, oh, Mark. You can imagine Judy, Paul, lurching about all over the place on this boat. That'd be interesting. I'd like that. Far more entertaining. And also, as if proof were needed that she's really gone past her sell-by, poor old... Uh, hi, you're gorgeous. You are. You're lovely. You're beautiful. I love your record. What's it called? Uh, Lorraine Kelly has dressed up in a magazine being Lady Gaga. I mean, darling, you're 50, for God's sake. Get a grip on yourself. You're 50. And here's somebody with a mental age of a cabbage... Yes, it's Jack the Lad Tweed back on the town again last night. And they say here, enjoying a night out, looking at the uh, the pretty girls. And they've got a picture of one of the so-called pretty girls here. Looks like it's walked out of um, of um, one of those sex change bars in Thailand. You've, I mean, I'm not being rude. You look at it. And that's what they get in Faces Nightclub. Well, I thank God it's dark in there. That's all I can say. Because this thing's outside. She's got really bad hair, but it's scraped back. She's got false eyelashes on. She's got a face like the back of a bus. And this is one of the pretty girls. Not exactly a recommendation, is it, my darling? Not exactly a recommendation. Um, what else have we got? Oh, I've got loads more stories in the papers. I'm just going to have a field day. I'm sorry about this. I'm going to have to have a field day today because I've saved it up for, like, 24 hours and I thought, if I, if I get it off my chest today, now I've discovered that I'm common. Common as custard, apparently. I've never heard that expression. Common as custard. Oh, I've got a laser pen. I bought a laser pen. And then, and then Holly said, on the new, she said, are you supposed to have those? I said, well, I've landed three aeroplanes this morning. See, no reason why I shouldn't. Quarter past five. These are the headlines. The union representing British Airways cabin crew is preparing to appeal against an injunction which stopped strike action and a row over jobs, pay and staffing levels. There should be less disruption next time there's a cloud of volcanic ash in our airspace. The Civil Aviation Authority is to allow some planes to travel for a limited time through higher ash densities. 
And a teenager's in hospital with a stab wound after an incident in Enfield last night. The 18-year-old was stabbed in the arm on Hartford Road just before 9pm. Police say the injuries aren't life-threatening. Let's have a check on the uh, state of the roads. Lovely Joanne Webb. Good morning. Now, let me keep you up to date with what's happening with the uh, flights today. 7.3. Morning, everybody. Nice to be company. Welcome to Tuesday morning. Or if you've been out clubbing, welcome to any day you want it to be. Makes no difference, does it? Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. You might be coming home working in a nightclub, or you might be a croupier, standing there trying to look as though you're really not bored out your mind. Um, strangely enough, uh, Andy, one of my regulars, says, would Jordan be in the good-looking nudist camp? Um, well, I'm tempted to say, Andy, she would be, but you would be standing outside with your nose pressed against the railings, <laughs> hoping to get it. I don't think she would be in there at all. I'd, I don't think she would, actually. And, in fact, I have checked with Richard Hakier, and the benchmark says, uh-uh, no, she wouldn't be in there at all. Definitely not. Jordan would not be in there. I think it's a class thing. We said yesterday there's a club in the West End. I can't remember which Mahida or Mahiki, one of these, I can't remember. Is it Mahiki? I always thought that was something you got in, you know, you went to Hawaii. I'll have a Mahiki, please. And it comes served in a, a Mahita. All right. Well, it sounds similar. And apparently they, they turned away Chantel the other day because they have a policy of not letting in old bags from Big Brother because they've said, no, we just, we just don't want you in. I'm sorry. Yeah, strange enough, they let in just about anybody else. But they've got a policy, a particular policy on the Big Brother people. They obviously think they're naff and desperate, which, of course, they are. Talking of naff and desperate, you know who Rachel um, Uchitel is? Uchitel? Isn't it funny? You don't know who it is. But if I say she was one of Tiger Woods' mistresses, you then go, oh, uh, yeah, there were loads of them. And come on, hands up. Come on, we all slept with him. Everybody, come on, put your hands up. Auntie Enid, put your hand down. You didn't. All right? But anyway, she's a wait for this, because she's class. She's agreed a deal to strip for Playboy magazine. In other words, they've waved a bit of money and she's gone, no, I'm not doing it. What do you think I am? What do you think I am? How much? I'll do it. But anyway, she's not going to strip everything off. She's going to go topless. Pfft, how dull's that? You want to come around here, darling? We've got people walking up and down the street topless. Just because Tiger Woods has been with you doesn't make you any more special. How much do they pay for that? I wonder how much they would pay. But anyway, she's going to be doing this photo shoot in three weeks' time and she's going to go topless. <laughs> Hardly a big deal nowadays, is it? You want to... I mean, because in the... Uh, Paper today, you've got Ruth, and uh, Ruth is your, she's from Kent. She's twenty six. She's your page three lovely, and uh, she says here that she's fully behind the Suns' campaign to save England's World Cup bid. She said the rules of association football were first uh, codified in England in eighteen sixty three. Look at this picture. You can't believe she's actually said this, but she has. Uh, our bid shouldn't be scuppered by one blundering individual getting caught offside. God, she's bright. She is so... For a page three bimbo, she is... I tell you, she's all there. She's 26 from Kent, and she's my girl today. And you can get her on your telephone as well. And I bet she'd take everything off the plane as well. Um, other stories of the paper today. Oh, picture of David Beckham with, uh, with the unattractive one. That's Wayne Rooney with his... Uh, got his little son, Kai. Kai Wayne. Uh, also in the paper today... Oh, Miss USA. The first Miss U USA in 58 years is a Muslim... That'll thrill them, won't it? She'll be getting death threats. You can just tell, poor soul, because here she is in a bikini showing a little bit too much flesh. But she is the first girl. Uh, her family celebrate both Muslim and Christian faiths. 
And she wowed judges in Los Angeles in a pink and gold bikini and a strapless wedding dress. Oh, they're going to be up in arms over that one. That's just... I mean, I think she's great. But there's going to be certain people are going to be going, oh, my God, we don't want that kind of thing. But why not? Do you not think that underneath, you know, all these veiled women, there is a woman desperate to go, ta-da! <laughs> just break out. I mean, I'm secretly hoping that underneath all these burkas, there's women wearing gold and red bikinis. And they want to get home and go, wait a minute, you didn't know, but underneath this, I'm naked! You know, I mean, it's just... Oh, I don't see why women should have to, have to go through that at all. Uh, Ali Ross today is talking about uh, this ghastly programme with Alan Sugar and these spotty individuals on The, the Young Apprentice. Oh, my God. What a bunch of prigs. We don't like them at all, I'm afraid. We really don't. And then, oh, oh, I turned on yesterday, and uh, there she was. Hi, year. Christine Bleakley, who they stupidly allowed to introduce the programme, uh, and her, for the next two weeks, we've got a guest presenter. And who is it? It's the bloke from Blue Peter. The one who left... Uh, 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 I can't remember his name now. Is it Matt? I can't remember which one it is. But anyway, he's, he's got a farm, or his parents got a farm. Somebody's got a farm. And uh, it's different being a presenter on Country File to sitting in a studio presenting a programme. And the one thing that he can't do is present in a studio. Blue Peter's different because that's for children. You can get away with a lot less. The moment you move into big boys' television and you sit in a studio and you try and string two words together, it just doesn't work. He can't keep his hands still. He's as bad, if not worse than the new chat show that started yesterday with David Dickinson. It's just dire. I, don't, I didn't think anything could be that bad. The trouble is, he sort, of, he sort of made a rod for his own back. In fact, actually, he made a cell for his own body as well for seven years after he cheated members of the public. And, uh, and so he's doing this chat show, but he doesn't know how to have a conversation with people because he's so up his own rear end... He thinks the whole show revolves around him. It's a bit like Denise Welsh, who was on the show. And frankly, you don't get any more dreary than Denise Welsh. Oh, you do, Colleen Nolan. But anyway, and so she's on the show. He's got Tony Braxton on. You can tell quite clearly he hasn't got the faintest idea who Tony Braxton is. They're obviously gone. We've got to try and, you know, get you out there. And he's doing this show, which is the same as his presentation, only without holding an old antique. And I don't mean Rosemary Schrager again, because she's still floating around the med or doing something interesting. They'd have done better if they pushed her off the boat and they all sat on her and rowed round. Looked far more interesting. And, uh, and so you've got that dreadful show. Dreadful. And that poor bloke from Blue Peter on the one show. Although Christine Bleakley is obviously there to demonstrate as quickly as possible that she could front a programme. Whereas, in fact, once they get Chris Evans in on the Friday, she's going to be relegated to second place. But never mind, doesn't matter, you know. She's doing very well because she's with old Frankie Lampard and, uh, you know, they're a great couple. Uh, Eddie Murphy went out to the uh, cinema the other night, attending his latest premiere with his uh, family. Strangely enough, he has eight children. Seven of them were with him and one turned up with Mel B. Because you remember Mel B had a child with him. They had a brief fling. He had a child. He then denied it. And do you remember she had to go on television and say this and that? Eventually, he admitted that the child, called Angel, is his, and he, he, he paid maintenance. So the stories I read in the paper yesterday was that she went to the premiere with him. Well, she might have done, but she certainly wasn't photographed with him. He was photographed with his seven children, not with the eighth child, who went along with Mel and uh, the partner she's with at the moment and her other children. 
And so they, they sort of stayed apart. So obviously not as, not as close as you, as you might think, I'm afraid. But here he is with seven children. Three of them look like gangster rappers. His boys are probably, I don't know, 18, 19, tattoos up the arm. Got that kind of, yeah, well, no, nobody bothers dressing up for premiers now. No, you know, at least in this country, people go to David Walliams' wedding and they all dress up and everybody looks fantastic. But, in fact, there are more pictures of David Walliams' wedding. It's got a picture of um, Noel Gallagher with his partner. Isn't it funny how Noel Gallagher has sort of brown-nosed his way into society? And, you know, he used to be sort of the bad boy and now he's sort of, you know, hobnobbing at Downing Street and stuff like that. Then they've got uh, Jonathan Ross's uh, wife, Jane, who's lovely, but daughter's Betty Kitten with green hair and uh, Honey Kinney. Well, I don't know whether or not they fell through the ugly tree or not, but they don't look a bit like mum and dad, that's a fact. I mean, they're both... They're, I'm sorry, they're not. They're not. It's like saying Bob Geldof's children are attractive. They're not. I'm sorry, if somebody's not attractive, there's no point in lying to them. I'm sorry, Amanda. I, she's really upset. You can't say people are unattractive. Yeah, you can. And you, They're not... Well, the trouble is, they're not only children... Betty Kitten, I think, is 19 now. You think that's a child? Oh, sod off. Of course she's not sent. She's voting. She's able to do all sorts of things from a wardrobe, screaming Geronimo. She's 18, 19. And the other one is just really not attractive at all. And they did this thing the other day on the television. They've got a junior master chef. And the junior master chef has got four little kids on who all cook at home, which is great. But nobody's being honest with them. Every single one. All they had to do was cook a steak. It's, like, really difficult. You know, you put it in the frying pan and turn it over. And there's one little kid in there who's 11. I can't remember what his name is, but he's really confident. He is, like, so confident. He's, like... But the trouble... Actually, funny thing is, I didn't think I was going to like him, but I've warmed to him immensely. There's one little girl there who's got no teeth and who can't speak properly, but she's thuggering through it, and she's getting there. But he's actually really, really quite confident. Then there's a kid whose hair is too long, and I worry about boys whose hair is too long because it makes them look a little bit like long-haired children. And so they're all cooking this steak, and what they say to each of them is, that was fantastic, that is really, really good. And I'm thinking, no, they can't all be good. One of them's got to be rubbish. But even when she said, listen, the steak wasn't as cooked as it should have been and your sauce wasn't this, but that was really, really, really good. And I thought, why are you lying? Tell them the truth. It was rubbish. Ru- <laughs> rubbish. You were really rubbish. I should be doing it. I should be doing it. I'm sorry. What are you doing on this programme? Go home, your girl's blouse. Cooking in the kitchen, I ask you. But the little kid, who I quite like, I wish I knew his name, he was saying, who, do, who does he like in the kitchen? He's 11. And he goes, I, I like Hesson Blumenthal. He's re-. And I'm thinking, he was 11. This kid's 11. But you're kind of warm to him because there's something about him that just oozes confidence. Unlike Betty Kitten and Honey Kinney, both of whom need to go for makeup lessons. It's LBC. London's biggest conversation. Morning, everybody. 28 minutes to six. It's Steve Allen's early breakfast. Whatever you've heard about the programme, it's true. It's true. We are happy. We do tell the truth. We don't believe in pussyfooting around. I was thinking the other day, I was watching this, this uh, programme about planets. And they were, you know, it's, it's that old question again. Is there life on other planets? And the answer is, well, Stephen Hawking said, there may be life on another planet. And uh, people said, yeah, but it's probably not what you think it is. You know, it's not going to be people walking around in, in Primark clothes or anything like that. It's going to be, you know, plants or something like that. They haven't found anything on the moon. They found nothing on Venus, nothing on Saturn. I think in the middle of Venus, there's a huge volcano, which is not 
operational at the moment. And they showed these, and you think, oh, God, there's loads out there. But the nearest planet to us that there could be life it could be billions of light years away. So that's why it made even more sense when all the... Uh, because we're, we're, we're coming into... I don't want to get too excited. Don't get too excited about this. We're coming into students having a few bevies and going out into a field in the early hours of the morning with a piece of rope and a broom handle, okay, and tramping down the corn and pretending it's flying saucers. (laughs) Because you have to ask yourself the question, unless you're a complete barmy, you know, why would somebody from another planet, assuming there is anything, spend light years flying in to make a funny shape in the corn and then fly off again with the most overpopulated country and nobody sees a bloody thing. Nobody sees a flying saucer, nothing at all. And then the students, just to, they, they did it last year just to really wind the corn circle fruit cakes up. They, they burnt little bits of the corn to say this is where the thing landed. <laughs> but, of course, the fruitcakes who believe in this go, oh, that's it then. You go, listen, if this really was a flying saucer with things in it, do you not think maybe it would have taken the entire field out? But they don't, they don't see that, which is quite sweet. So expect that very shortly. In fact, there were some students the other day... I think they popped up on YouTube and they've started making the corn because they've got to wait till the corn gets to a reasonable height before they can start tramping it down again. And they do some really elaborate things, you know, because you have to ask yourself the question, unless you really are a fruitcake, you're not going to believe in this thing at all. But fruit fruitcakes love it because they want to believe that there's little E.T. phone home, you know, and E.T. even E.T. never made a crop circle. But uh, students doing very well. Uh, I see that Mikey Carroll, come on, like Mikey Carroll, think, 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 Mikey Carroll... I only have to use two words in front of the word Mikey Carroll. Lotto lout. Do you remember the vile, revolting chav uh, who uh, wasted all his money? He was the one who terrorised the neighbours. He's a former bin man who comes from, let's just say, one of those sort of families uh, where they think nothing of sleeping with prostitutes and doing cocaine. And he did nine and a half million pounds. And so he's now having to live with, uh, with his mummy. Sweet, isn't it, really? So I'm, I was quite pleased he's lost everything. I couldn't be happier. And he wants to go back working on the bins. I don't think so. I think we'll just leave you to rot, darling. You know, the same way you ruined your neighbour's life. He shares a modest house in Downham Market uh, with girlfriend Gemma. And he's going to find out in the next fortnight he's got the job with the local council. This is the man who's been, been to prison for drink, drugs, prostitutes. He's like, that's all behind me. Couldn't care less, mate. I think you're a prat of the first order. 9.7 million. Ha, 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 ha. I feel so much better now, so much better. Also, the papers today... Um, it's all going on in Thailand, isn't it? I was going to ask Paul um, Paul Savory about that, because he has a place in, in Thailand. And he said, he said, you've no idea until you're actually over there what it was like. It was, it was absolutely terrible, I'm afraid. There's a police force who've lost track of six registered sex offenders. How do you lose track of six registered sex offenders? They say that um, they, they, they're not going to name them or release their description, because that might tip them off that the police are on to them. So we're, we're, we're all kind of out there waiting to see if these uh, people are going to turn up. Doesn't seem very fair, does it? Also, you probably find that the perverts will actually take the police to court for releasing details, saying that's against their civil liberties. There's a, a prisoner in the paper today who's taking uh, the prison to court because they have denied him sex in prison. And he says that's against his civil liberties. He's supposed to be having sex in prison. It's a shame we don't actually follow some of the examples of other countries. They throw you in prison and we forget about you, and you just stay there. Uh, here she is again. It's uh, Lady Gaga. Well, it's not really. It's Lorraine Kelly. And, uh, as I say, it's very nice not really knowing what she's doing at GMTV. Even when she's on GMTV, we're not too sure whether she knows what she's doing. But she's there at the moment. And uh, it's, they all do it, don't they? She's in New Magazine today. 
which has got a feature on Kerry Katona, because Kerry Katona is now Lady of the Manor. They're trying to sell her as a sort of somebody posh who's turned her life around. It's a load of old spherical objects. She hasn't, uh, hasn't turned her life around at all. All she's done is lost a bit of weight, and they've put her in some clothes. And that's, and that's about it, I'm afraid. Paul in Manchester says, I so agree with you about Rosemary Schrager. Absolutely ghastly. I was racking my brains to think of who she reminded me of, and it came to me. Marjorie Maine, who played Mar Kettle. Do you think separated at birth? By the way, saw a picture of Denise Welsh finishing the run in our local paper. Not, not a particularly good look. I'm a bit bored with Denise Welsh now. I'm sorry, I, I know other people say, oh, I'm sure she's very funny, but frankly, you know, she's of no interest to me whatsoever. Apart from that, she sits on the television and drones on about her boring life every five minutes. And God knows it is boring. Uh, Britain's Got Talent judge Amanda Holden has gone dotty. She's admitted she's a huge fan of Over the Rainbow. Which, of course, everybody is. Andrew Lloyd Webber there. And here's Piers Drogan. And uh, he's a te- the trouble is, Piers is so wooden. And you can imagine he would be the nerdy grandfather dancing, the embarrassing one, who can't dance for toffee, because he can't. He's got no talent. Well, he couldn't even edit a newspaper properly. He really wasn't very good at that. And now he thinks he's in showbiz, but he just looks wooden. He looks like the embarrassing old man from... Oh, don't invite him, for God's sake. He's far too embarrassing. And um, I've noticed as well that Boy George has slated the BBC. You know the documentary thing they did about him the other night? It was a biopic uh, called Worried About the Boy. And he, he gave some of his clothes. And uh, it pulled in two and a half million viewers for BBC Two, which is an unmitigated disaster as far as I'm concerned. Very low audience. Almost as bad as any of the Anne Robinson shows. But uh, he said that there was no story to it. it. It was just dreadful. He said it was just one-dimensional. Dimen- one he said it's what happens when straight blokes write about puffs. He's gay. He's gay. Unbelievable. But uh, he, he, he sort of said it was nice that it was done, but he just didn't think that there was any storyline to it. Here are the wags. They're all out again. These are the people who are going to be going over, the World Cup squad partners. And it's lovely to see them all out there. Lovely. And Alex, Stephen Gerrard's uh, Alex Curran, she's lovely. Makes her own money now because apparently she's a journalist. She writes a fashion column. <laughs> it's another world, isn't it? <laughs> and uh, Joe Cole and uh, Cheryl Zucca pretty as well. And here's Colleen Rooney looking looking just badly dressed, I'm afraid. I don't think you could say anything about poor old Colleen. Loads of money, no fashion sense, darling. Uh, Melanie Slade, I think she's Theo Walcott's uh, bit. Christine Bleakley, she's way too old to be a wag, isn't she? I mean, she really, she's a bit matronly now. Somebody called Lisa Ruffed. I'm probably sure that's not how you pronounce it, but that's how it's spelt. And she is... Um, she, she runs a, a Pilates firm. It's nice. And they sold rights to their wedding, of course, for 200000 Sorry, darling, I don't know who you are. I do beg your pardon. I'm sure you know your parents know who you are, but I've got no idea at all. And uh, I should imagine 90% of people listening to this programme at the moment have got no idea either. Uh, Steve, my name is Dave and I reside in Wakefield. Your irreverent rantings are awesome. Nobody's safe from you. Well, stay in Wakefield, then, you dreary little so-and-so. Wakefield, what a ghast... I know he's being nice, but I hate Wakefield. Have you been to Wakefield? Ghastly place. The only decent bit about Wakefield is the sign saying, you're now leaving Wakefield. I want to go and live... I've decided. I want to go and live in Cornwall. They had a bit on the television the other day, and it was a couple who wanted to move to, to Cornwall, and, I li- and it looked really nice. And people were surfing, and I thought, I could surf. I could surf. Not, not very well. And, and you can take, take the dog for walks. I haven't got a dog, so I'd have to get a dog. And, and then I watched Come Dine With Me. And it must have been a really old one, because one of the blokes there had a, had, a, had a nice house, but he had dogs. And he let them in the kitchen. And this dog sat at the table for dinner. 
Now, I'm sorry, I don't care who you are, I love dogs, but you don't have them sitting at the table resting. And at one, one place they went to, the woman found dog hairs in the food they were eating. Oh, oh, disgusting. Dreadful. Stephen Harlington says your Aunt Edith's going to strip for Playboy. <laughs> Do you know, nothing would surprise me with her. She's got a mind of her own. She did, I mean, you know, if she thought it was worth it, she'd do it. <laughs> Lynn says, Steve, what's the world coming to? A page three girl using the word scuppered. Sounds very classy. Not cheap as chips, then. I know. I mean, she's obviously one of the more intelligent ones. Because a lot of them are like, oh, yeah, yeah. You know, and that's some of the most intelligent things you can get from them. Angry of Essex says, dear Mr. Allen, I'd like to complain about your comparison of cabbages to tweed. What have cabbages ever done to you? It's true, I'm sorry. I apologise to cabbage lovers everywhere. And, uh, and one here. For some reason, I found myself watching Junior Masterchef. I thought the kid Jordan should have gone through instead of the lispy Essex girl. That's Queenie in Manchester. Which one? Oh, who, I don't know which one Jordan was. Was that the kid I liked? Don't tell me it was the kid I liked. That would be awful, because the lispy Essex girl... With, but she had no teeth at the front. That was why she was lisping. <laughs> They only had to cook a steak. It wasn't complicated. But they've got... I can't remember the name of the woman who hosts it with one of those interminably boring chefs. Because everywhere you go, there's chefs, aren't there? Chefs... Every, there's, there's probably one under this table. Probably a chef in here now. They're popping up going, oh, what can I whip up in my wok for you? And then they had... I, I turned on the Anthony Worrell-Thompson thing where the well-known diabetic is stuffing down cream and ever, really bad food, I'm afraid. So be very careful, Anthony. Do you just... You'll just go like that, mate. Be very careful. And they had a girl on there, and I looked at her, and I kept thinking that you're supposed to recognise the celebrities who go on there. And I also recognised Jane McDonald before. And there's this girl, and I'm thinking, who are you? And uh, she was kind of talking like, no, I can't. <laughs> I don't know who that was supposed to be. Anyway, she was a bit, how are you? And she was like that. And I thought, and then I had to wait to the end when he went, thank you, Zoe. It was Zoe Salmon, the ex-Blue Peter presenter, who's dyed her hair brown... And is doing I've got no idea what. Bit of a shame. But uh, she was sort of eating the food and she they did all sorts of it. She liked sausages and egg and onions, fried onions. And that was sort of comfort food. And chips. And she does lots of vinegar on chips. And I was looking at onions thinking, we don't eat onions that often, do we? And I, I quite like the smell. That's why you eat those ghastly hot dogs on the streets of London. Because it's onions that you can smell, and you love onions. Everybody loves onions. The smell of it. You've only got to cook onions, and I sometimes cheat, because I don't like cutting them. Because I remember coming home one day, and my mum was cutting onions, and she's crying. And I'm going, what's the matter? She goes, no, nothing, nothing. I said, what's the Honestly, I was quite concerned. She said, it's the onions. And I thought, ever since then, if I'm going to start crying, I don't want onions. You know, if I'm going to cry, it's going to be phone home. You know, and I'm, I'm just not... I'm going to cry at that, but I'm not going to cry cutting up onions because I can't bear it. It's like garlic. I've never actually cooked garlic at home. I bought garlic things which you put into a, into a cooking, but I've stopped cooking because, frankly, it's just not worth the hassle. I mean, you've got to, you get pans dirty and, and, and then you've got to wash them up and it's ugh, dreadful. And I was speaking to a friend of mine yesterday who was talking about putting a dishwasher in at home. Not really, you know, there's only two of them. Putting in a di- I said, why put a dishwasher in for two people? It's not worth it. You can, you know, you can wash up a plate and a cup and stuff like that. Much easier, much easier. John is in the thick of it in Bangkok, imprisoned in an apartment block. He said, Monday and Tuesday declared public holidays, gunfire outside the apartment all night long. Very scary. That's what Paul Savory said. He said, until you've, until you've been there, you've got no idea how scary it can be. So for anybody listening at the moment, we're your little bit of home. 
where your little bit of home. And Phil says, I feel sorry for the farmers who have their crop squashed by the students. Surely they lose money through damaged crops. Strangely enough, they don't. Because it's, the corn is only bent over. When the machine comes along, it, it picks it up in exactly the same way. In exactly the same way. But, of course, had it been a flying saucer, you know, it would have... Yeah, you've seen them come down in E.T. when that thing took off. I mean, it could have taken out a forest with these flames and everything else. But amazingly, nobody ever sees anything. That's because it's a few students tramping through the corn with a torch. They map it all out on a grid, first of all. Then they go to the field and they map the field out. They've got a photo. It's so simple to do. I can't believe how people don't understand it. But, uh, but there's a few, few odd people who go, no, it's people from another planet. Yeah, dear. That's why they're not landing in Leicester Square and coming for a chat on this programme. Because uh, if you want to, if you are a person from another planet, then uh, pop in, feel free. We've got loads of microphones. You can take over the studio. You can, you can do your own programme, play your own music. I'd like to hear what Martian music is like. That should be quite good, shouldn't it? We're a bit like Lady Gaga. Fourteen to six. These are the headlines. The strike by British Airways cabin crew may have been called off, but the airline's warning there'll still be disruption to travellers. It says a High Court ruling came too late to reinstate a full service. An 18-year-old's in hospital after being stabbed in Enfield last night. His injuries aren't thought to be life-threatening. Labour backbencher and Dagenham MP John Crudder says he won't be standing against the Miliband brothers for the party leadership. Details on those stories in the main bulletin at six. With the travel, it's Joanne. Thanks, Steve. Well, as you've just been hearing, there is um, the... Um... LBC 97.3. Morning, everybody. Nice to have your company. Welcome along. Tuesday morning in London town. It's true, men tell more lies than women. It's now official. Men tell, apparently, three lies a day more than women. And we all tell lies. I don't. But lots of people tell... I just tell the truth. But everybody tells a lie. I don't know why we do. We were brought up not to tell lies, and yet we do tell lies. We don't call them lies, do we? We say, you've told a fib. And apparently that's, that's better telling a fib than a blatant lie and I'll, I'll run through the lies in a moment just so you're well aware of what you're telling and you'll go yeah i've told that one i must say a very good morning because i bought her a, a very large drink the other day the lovely pamela Candell, who forever will be mrs fox from dad's army forever for everybody and she looks wonderful and she was at the lady rattlings do the other day which was lovely and i had a, I had a lovely uh, email a lovely email from uh, from the Queen rattling at the moment, which is uh, which is Babs, which is lovely. I mean, really, really nice. Uh, everybody had a, a lovely time, so thank you very much indeed for that. And uh, she says, uh, "You're now sweetheart of the Lady Rattlings." Great hit with the rats too. We like the rats. On a personal note, well, yes, but a personal note, I, I gave her a present. And uh, last night at the Magic Circle, they were auctioning off a lot of Ali Bongos. Things they they came with lots of bags, and I sent my friend Daryl Rose with twenty pounds. I've got to give him twenty pounds to pick up four bags. You don't know what's in it, and it's very good. But she was walking in and out, poor old Babs, with her pudding. I thought she was trying to get the crockery out for home, but she, she said after being chucked out of the hotel with a fire alert, they then went back in, and she finally managed to finish the thing. She said, but uh, I stayed for a cup of tea, and we got thrown out again, and issued with Baco foil capes. <laughs> Can use it in the act, can't you? Which is lovely. She's fairy spangles. So it was, it was a lovely, lovely, uh, lovely, lovely day. And also nice to, to bump into some uh, old friends, including, including, as I say, Graham Cole and his lovely wife, Cherry. But uh, Pamela Cundell. God, look, in fact, strange enough, we're only talking about Pamela Cundell from the CAA. Uh, 
about five minutes before she arrived. So I thought I had to buy her a drink. Had to buy her a drink. Uh, other stories in the paper today. They've got more pictures of this Muslim Miss USA. She does look wonderful. But it's, um, I don't know if you like beauty contests. I thought they went out of fashion some years ago. But they, uh, they seem to be back in again. For some reason, the Daily Mail have put in a picture of Lorraine Kelly dressed as Lady Gaga. They do this all the time where they take minor people. How you can ever have any credibility on a news-type programme after you've done this. I've got no idea. Perhaps she's looking to the future. Perhaps she thinks dressing up as a looky-likey is, uh, is the way forward. And there's another story, and it'll probably be picked up by loads of people later on today on LBC. And it's the story of Joshua McCauley. Uh, Joshua McCauley uh, died after refusing a blood transfusion. You know where I'm going with this. Uh, following a car crash, because he was a Jehovah's Witness. Last night, members of his congregation described how he told doctors no blood... No blood, no blood. And so they didn't. And, and he died. And I don't understand, really, in this day and age, how parents can ever, ever let somebody die because they won't have a blood transfusion. You can argue until the cows come home. It's, it's what you believe. Hospital staff are thought to have begged the teenager to change his mind, but he refused. For what purpose? For what purpose? So another life ends at the age of uh, 15. I mean, he was conscious after the accident, made the stand on the blood issue, and he made the choice personally. So, in other words, people free him from the thing, firemen, you know, risk life and limb to get him out, and then they get him to hospital, and he goes, no, I don't want any blood, so he dies. At 15, I just think it's absolutely terrible. Absolutely terrible. Anyway, talking of lies, these are the lies that, uh, that you tell. I, I can tell you the ladies' lies and the gentlemen lies, because we all tell different lies. Oh, and also, I'll tell you in a moment why life begins at 40, but the fun begins at 50. So, unfortunately, I've missed it. Anyway, women, it's what I've always wanted. That's the first line. That's at number 10. You can tell how, how good they're going to get. You know, you give them a present. Oh, that's, oh, that's lovely. It's what I've always wanted. Oh, God. Number nine, no, I didn't throw it away. I've still got it. Where is it? Show me it. I did this with my brother and the, the teddy the other day. Where is that stiff teddy? It's on the wardrobe. Where? Take a picture. I had to take me a picture the other day and send me all these pictures. And then, where'd you get that from? Well, I've had it for ages. What do you mean you've had it for ages? I've ages. You just haven't seen it. It's been at the back of the wardrobe. No, you've just thrown away the receipt. Hello? Yeah, I'm on my way. Now? I'm on my way now. Even, even as I speak, I'm starting the car. You know, that one. Number six. It was in the sale. Yeah, right. That was very expensive, wasn't it? No, it was in the sale. Number five, here we go, classic one for all you girls. I've got a headache. That's why the husband climbs into bed and gives the wife an anodin. She goes, what's that for? She said, I haven't got a headache. He said, good. <laughs> Rips the nighty off. <laughs> Sorry, assuming you've got a nighty on. The other one, number four, I didn't have that much to drink. Number three, it wasn't that expensive. Number two, I don't know where it is. I haven't touched it. Well, number one, nothing's wrong. I'm fine. You can just tell. You're right. Nothing. I'm fine. All right. I'm fine. That's, that's for the ladies. For the men, it's what I've always wanted. You've lost weight. <laughs> Sorry, I missed your call. No, your bum doesn't look big in that. Um, hello, I'm stuck in traffic. Hello, I'm on my way now. Number four, it wasn't that expensive. Number three, I'm so I had no signal. 
You know, why didn't you phone me? I had no... I couldn't. I had no signal. Number two? Nothing's wrong. I'm fine. All right? I'm fine. Just leave it. Speak to you later. Oh, the signal's gone. (laughs) And number one? I didn't have that much to drink. All right? I didn't embarrass your friends. I didn't have that much to... I did not. I had two small drinks, for goodness sake. So those are the lies, and we tell them every single day. It's like every day I go, good morning, and I mean it, because I'm hoping it's going to be a good morning. And every day I say, you're never going to find anything better than LBC, and I genuinely mean it, because if I don't mean it, we might as well pack up and go home now. So every morning I say to the producer, you're looking attractive. Now that is the first lie of the day. That is the first one. But then I follow it up with, so when am I getting the DVD player back? You know, I mean, I don't like to make an issue of something or indeed drag it out. I'm not, I'm not like an elephant, ladies and gentlemen. I do occasionally forget. It takes about 15 years. Now, reaching 50 is the milestone. People say, oh, how old are you? 50. They go, oh, 50. Fun starts at 50. They say life begins at 40. Frankly, 40 was a blur. I've got no idea what happened at 40 at all. And you bump into people now and I say, how old are you? And they go, I'm 42. And you go, God, you don't behave like 42. What you mean is you're very infantile. Because I don't know what you're supposed to behave like at a certain age. So you, you, you say to somebody, I'm, you know, somebody will come at you and go, Ooh, I'm, I'm 85. You're 85? And you're not really sure what you're supposed to follow it up with. And when people say, act your age, I say, if I acted my age, you'd be talking to a pile of dust. Because I've got no idea what you're supposed to... All I know is, for ladies, at a certain age... Your entire wardrobe gets thrown out and you buy little hats that go on your head. You have a grey rinse. You wear very sensible shoes and very thick stockings. And I don't know what age that happens. It's probably the same age that men start wearing their waisted trousers just about under their breastbone. And you've got... And also, you tuck your shirt into your pants. That's what happens for men. And you you belch and break wind a lot. There's a lot of that. And a lot of... (coughs) You get a lot of that with men. I'll, I'll just have another... We'll have another drink. I'll take the wife home. My oh, God, she's in for a night tonight. You know, and you get that... And the wife's going, I've heard this for the past 25 years. Nothing will be happening. We'll get in. He'll be asleep within five seconds. Mind you, I think men are quite... I think women are quite, quite grateful that after a certain age, nothing's happened. You know, should, should we go to bed now? Yeah, to sleep. Yeah, to sleep. Anything else? Any more funny business? You're in the spare room. I don't want any of that going on, thank you very much indeed. I love the girl at 22. Never set foot on a mountain before. Never climbed a mountain, but she's become the youngest British woman to scale the world's highest peak, despite having no experience in mountaineering and feeling like she was going to die when she went for the first jog to get fit. I know the feeling, going for the bus. God, exhausting. And she's climbed a mountain. Her name is... <laughs> I mean, she wouldn't have a normal name, would she? Like, so, you know, Jill. So, no, she's called Benita Norris. Benita. I've never heard of anybody called Benita. Uh, a former aide claims the Queen Mother was so careful with money, she rented her television. Richard Kay and Geoffrey Levy said, don't be so ridiculous, one simply didn't do frugal. In fact, she was so overdrawn at the bank when she died, she owed a fortune. And most of it was on booze. I mean, the Queen Mother, I mean, she was pickled most of the day. She, kept, she was kept alive by booze. And that's why she, I mean, she was absolutely, fa- she loved spending money. She never not spent money. However, I've noticed that there is a BBC presenter in the paper today. I'm quite excited by this because it's a classic story of somebody who should lose their job immediately because he overstepped the mark. And I'll tell you what he did, the other side of the news, which is next. My electrical know-how, mate. Morning, everybody. It's uh, nine minutes past six. It's LBC 97.3. 
It's Steve Allen's early breakfast. You're very welcome. I'm sorry it's only Tuesday. I wish I could tell a fib and tell you it was Friday, but it isn't. Actually, I've just found a great interview, which I think is, is going to be lovely for, for Jenny Barnett for next week, because next Thursday is the 70th anniversary of Dunkirk. And there's a, there's a, a, a new book out, I think, called Forgotten Voices of Dunkirk. And I think that would be absolutely ideal for Jenny Barnett in the afternoon. It's a bit too early for me in the morning, but it would be absolutely lovely. Because by the end of May 1940, you'll remember that I think about 400,000 Allied troops were trapped in and around the port of Dunkirk without shelter or supplies, and Hitler's army was just ten miles away. So, very historic. So, I'll, I'll pass that on to, uh, to Jenny Barnett. Uh, I also I bought myself some DVDs again. Don't ask me I'm buying DVDs. I'm crackers, honestly. I bought the, the Vicar of Dibley combination, which ties in with one of our adverts at the moment, and the Alec Guinness as Father Brown. And I'm blowed if I can remember what the film was about, but it's got everybody in it, including, I think, Wilfred Hyde-White and uh, Joan Greenwood, Cecil Parker, Bernard Lee and everybody else. And then I got sent a lovely book. Every time I mention how much I love circus, very kind people send me books. And uh, I've had quite a number recently, and I've just been sent the latest one, by uh, Jim Foe, uh, who comes from Kensal Rise, and he sent me Confessions of a Showman, which is Jerry Cottle's autobiography, My Life in the Circus, which is really fantastic. Thank you very much indeed for that, Jim. I'm very grateful. I love these books on circus. Anything to do with circus and funfairs, and I'm, I'm there as well. Our friends at Lakeland sent me a strawberry huller. Do you know, to be quite honest, I thought it was something Jewish. A strawberry huller. I thought it was going to be some new recipe. And it's a thing for taking... The, the stalk bit out of a... Str- how it works, I've got no idea. I shall struggle with it a little bit later on. Struggle with it later on. Uh, Nick Ferrari this morning. And he's going to be talking about something which is really annoying me. And it would annoy anybody who lives and works in London and loves the city. Down in Parliament Square, there's a 15-metre-long white marquee. It looks like an absolute Dossers playground down there. It is absolutely dreadful. And he wants to know when this is going to stop. I also want to know when it's going to stop down there. I went down a short while ago. Where was I going? I must have been going to do something down Victoria Way. And there's tents and signs. I mean, what kind of image this gives over to tourists? I've got no idea. But it's about time the police went in, cleared it all up, and said, listen, we don't mind protesters, but this has now gone too far. This is just stupid. Just stupid. I mean, people do have the right to protest, but let's keep it within the bounds, shall we? Uh, plus, after an 88-year-old great-grandmother in Charlton was beaten and stabbed to death over the weekend, Nick will be asking, how could this have ever happened? It's an occupational hazard now. I was just reading in the paper today, an 18-year-old in hospital after being stabbed in Enfield. Goes on all the time. Two shop workers, was it Manchester? Working in a big department store. One shop assistant stabbed another shop assistant. I'm thinking, are people just going out? Are they working in shops carrying knives now? Dreadful, absolutely dreadful. And here's this other buffoon in the paper today. Somebody called Danny Kelly, who goes on his radio programme on the BBC, plays the national anthem, having announced, I've got a very important announcement, plays the national anthem and then declares Queen Elizabeth II has indeed died. And the afternoon presenter, uh, as producer, butted in and said, you can't say that. But uh, only then did he clarify on his uh, show heard in Birmingham that he'd been referring to a Facebook follower who had adopted Her Majesty's name before pulling the plug on the page. And the BBC have said, quite rightly, that action will be taken. I would think e- immediate firing. I don't know how on earth you can have such a fool like that. Even, even being... I mean, do these people know nothing? It's absolutely ludicrous. And then he joked later, Prince Charles, stop calling us, get off the phone. I'm assuming out of town they become a bit more stupid and by the time you get to Birmingham they're as thick as planks. That's an instant firing thing as far as I'm concerned. You don't joke about stuff like that. 
He did, he did say on his website, you never know what will happen next. We do. You're going to be fired. I would think if the BBC didn't, there'd be people around there who'd be absolutely fuming at people saying things like that. I mean, it's just disgraceful. You can't have stuff like that going on. That's it. You know, it's, it's, I remember years ago, people were saying, oh, shock jocks. And I remember hearing sort of so-called shock jocks. And they just came up and said stuff for no apparent reason. But they thought they were being controversial. And it was neither controversial nor, nor clever. They were just idiots. One in particular uh, who, who went on air and said that he'd seen somebody throwing rubbish out of a car window, so he'd followed them and thrown it back inside again and advised people to do the same. I thought, you're an idiot. Absolute stupidity comes up. But uh, to announce that the Queen has died, which she hasn't, of course, is just nothing short of ignorance. And, uh, and I think you, you, you pay the price for that. If, you, if you're that stupid, I think you deserve not to be working in the business. John in Bangkok says thank you. So we are your link in Bangkok if things get out of hand. But just remember, just stay in. It's safer to stay in at the moment. A lot of the papers are trying to work out how much, uh, you know, longer this is going to go on for. And it seems to be getting worse and worse. There's people sitting in the roads. There's uh, the troops have threatened people. You know, either you go now or we're going to open fire. And people say, go on, open fire. And there's all these women sitting in the road. They did this, I remember, in the Philippines years ago when they sent in the tanks and all these women appeared in the road. Always the women, isn't it? Always the women we push out there and they appeared in the road and they said to all the soldiers with all the, the tanks... I could be your mother. And nobody fired. Nobody opened fire on them. You just wouldn't. You just wouldn't, would you? At all. So uh, it will win out in the end. But uh, at what cost? Uh, Linda says, I love Cornwall, but Cornwall do not like dogs. You'll be all right in the winter. Believe you me, in the summer you'd find it difficult to enjoy surfing, as you wouldn't better take your dog on the beach. They're not very dog-friendly in Cornwall. We went last year, as I've always been a big fan, but we had a miserable holiday due to dogs not being allowed on any beaches until after 7pm. Oh, is that because of mess? Because some dog owners are very, very responsible and they do clear up. But I've seen a number of other people who do not clear up after their dogs. And, uh, and those people, we we'll go and tap them on the back of their legs. Uh, Tom in Canada says, when you talk about Wakefield, reminded me of someone who came to my city. He said to me, Cambridge was the rear end of Canada. I told him I was glad that he was just passing through. Thank you so much. It's quarter past six. <laughs> News headlines with Sam Pittis. I'll tell you what we'll do. Let's, let's do the, uh, the travel with uh, Joanne. We'll come back to Sam in a moment. So, Joanne's got the travel. Steve, well, as you've been hearing in the news, the British Airways planned strike. Is- 18 minutes past six. Nice to have your company. Uh, Andy says, uh, bad things to say to a woman. Number one, you must have been very pretty when you were younger. You can tell he's from Enfield. Two, are you pregnant? Very popular one, isn't it? <laughs> Three, you look tired. Four, have you always had bags under your eyes? <laughs> Dear. <laughs> and uh, six, have you got a lot of makeup on? And finally, is this your mother or your sister? Oh, dear, it's an Enfield. Not going too well down there. Yeah, charming, isn't it? Andy's obviously single, you can just tell. Uh, Paul says, are you telling us? That you really aren't 39, another illusion... No, what I... uh, Well, no, what I was saying about the 50 thing is... Sometimes I pretend to be 50, you know, because it attracts a different audience. He says, another illusion shattered. I was 51 in April. If you remember, you sang to me. Just feel old and past it. On the Jehovah's Witness thing, do you remember a a film called A Life for Ruth, which dealt with exactly the same scenario? I think we've discussed over the years on LBC uh, why people would ever... 
you know, deny their son, their daughter, their mother, their father, their brother, their sister a blood transfusion. It's what people believe in. But I don't know how hospitals come to come to terms with it, because under the Hippocratic Oath, doctors and nurses are duty-bound to save life. I mean, I wonder what you could do. I mean... Could you just not say, well, we're giving them a blood transfusion anyway? What would be the ultimate consequences of actually making somebody live? I don't think that's ever been challenged before. That would be a, an interesting one. Very interesting. Do the horse racing a bit later. Actually, I was reminded, t- talking of so-called shock jocks, and after this ludicrous uh, Danny Kelly, who apparently has been in local radio for ten years, kind of figures, doesn't it, really? Not for much longer. Um, remind me of a, of a presenter who came to this country from Australia and thought that he'd be controversial... And in order to be controversial, he thought he would phone up Buckingham Palace and speak to the Queen. So live on his programme, he thought this was really cutting edge. He phoned Buckingham Palace and he got through and said, oh, oh, good day. Uh, this is Sansa Sansa. It's possible to speak to her, Madge. And so the person on the other end said, no, I'm afraid it's not possible at all. Oh, what is she, is she busy? What is she, is she cooking or something like that? No, it's just not. And this, this went on for five minutes. And, uh, and it, it was just cringe-making. And in the end, this presenter, who shall remain nameless, said, oh, well, she just doesn't want to come to the phone. And the bloke the other end said, well, actually, she's on an official visit to Australia at the moment. It's been in all the newspapers. I wondered whether or not you'd seen it. The line went very dead very quickly. You think, one thing, always check your facts first. Otherwise, it makes you look very, very silly. Uh, Martin says you lie about your age. I don't know how you can say this. I've never, never told a fib in my life. It's as true as I'm riding this bicycle. Uh, Lawrence says, I know you can't name names. Have you ever done an in-conversation with someone you expected to be nice, but who turned out to be horrid? Once. Yul Brynner's son. That was the only one. It wasn't really an in-conversation. It was just an interview we did. And he, he was... He was Yul, Yul Brynner was famous. He'd written... Yeah, but his son had written the book about his father. And uh, he was ghastly. Nothing worse than men who come in with no hair, but they've got a little ponytail at the back. And you know what they're going to be like, don't you? Don't like it at all, I'm afraid. And I asked him about his father's sex life, because his father was very promiscuous. Very promiscuous. And I discussed it during the break with him. I'd said, I'm going to be asking about, you know, your dad's sex life. You know, and I always do it in a nice way. I've never done anything, you know, because otherwise there's no point. You've got to sit with somebody for an hour or whatever it is. I think this was only luckily half an hour. And, um, and so I came back and said, you know, your father was very promiscuous. And he looked at me and he said, this is my father you're talking about. He can't answer for himself. I said, well, you wrote about it in the book. I remember the legendary Brian Hayes did, a, <laughs> did an interview with Betty Davis years and years ago, and she came in to plug her autobiography. And, uh, and he said, I'd, I'd like to ask you about so-and-so, so-and-so. And she went, I don't want to talk about it. And he said, well, you will, otherwise you might as well leave. And so there was a dead silence. I thought, oh. And then she went, it was in 1942. <laughs> and I thought, you've only got to push people. There's no point in somebody coming round flogging a book if they're not going to talk about anything. But you never give them a hard time because it doesn't do you any favours. That's why this so-called shock jock thing never works. They've all done it on television programmes. Oh, I'm going to be asking the questions that nobody else asks. No, you won't, because they'll just sit there and clam up. And you won't get any other PRs to put people through to you. They only come to me because they know they're going to get a nice chat. We're going to sit down and I'm going to portray them in a very nice light. So I, I never... I don't do this sort of interviews. And also because I decide who I'm going to talk to. There's no point in talking to somebody you wouldn't want to talk to. I mean, for example, you would never, ever hear me talking to Kerry Katona, to uh, Jack Tweed, to Jordan, any of these sort of vacuous old bags who I think serve no useful purpose to man nor beast. So I wouldn't be bothered, I wouldn't waste my time talking to them. The producer wouldn't be happy either. Connie says, I can tell you're in a good mood this morning. We're laughing. Tears. Lovely. Actually, I'm in a very good mood. I'm just upset it's Tuesday. 
I keep thinking it should be Thursday. I keep feeling as though we've done this week. I don't know why. It's been, oh, look, the sun's coming up. I love it when London's bathed in sunlight and I suddenly realise that I'm going home and all these people at Waterloo Station are coming towards me. It's just, there's thousands of them. Thousands. People with headphones on and everything else and people eating and people doing their makeup, and which drives me still insane. And, and they're all coming towards you and you think, it's like this every day in London. We are just one big metropolis. Uh, Ruth says, following my checks yesterday, asking everybody to blow the ash away, looks like it worked. Off to Malta with lots of you on my iPod. Ta-ra for now. Well, listen, good luck. I hope the weather's going to be nice to you. I was talking to someone the other day who said, I went to Spain and the weather over there was terrible while you were basking in sunshine here. When I came back here, it went terrible and over in Spain it went nice. That's the way it goes, doesn't it? I see. Now, how do you pronounce it? Dame Kiri Takanawa. On the television this morning, somebody pronounced it Dame Kiri Takanawa. And I listened to it and I thought, no, it's... Kiritikanawa. That's how you pronounce it. Kiritikanawa. And the reason she's in the paper today, and I love Kiri, big fan of Prince Charles, well, Prince Charles, big fan of Kiri, and uh, she has blasted Susan Boyle as a whiz-bang star, and she's absolutely right. I've said this. Everybody in the business will tell you exactly the same thing. She's, she's what they call, you know, somebody who's been overhyped by the television. She's not, she's not a proper singer. She sang in a church. She's not a proper singer. No, no voice of an angel. It's all done in a studio. And what they do is, and very shortly, because somebody said to her, uh, she was singing a song, I think, and, uh, and Kiri was then asked about the spinster success on the show. And uh, she said, let's get off that subject, move on. I'm, I'm doing something classical, not whiz-bang, whiz-bang, disappear. Because that's what it is. They, somebody like Susan Spence, all it is is a company making money out of her. There's no longevity in Susan Spence. Uh, not Susan Spence. Susan Boyle. What are you talking about? Susan Boyle. Oh, dear. And, um, and so, consequently, she won't be... Another five years' time, you won't have heard of her. She'll be sitting there with her cat and two cats, and she'll have a few million in the bank. She'll be exactly the same person, but not a great singer. Not a great singer. And so, Kiri Tikanawa. I think they're actually calling her Tikanawa. Do you think they said to her, how do you pronounce this name? Somebody went, I think it's Tikanawa. <laughs> Kiri Tikanawa. They've withdrawn. Incidentally, Mum's listening at the moment. You bought a, a toy buggy recently. Mother Care and the Early Learning Centre have withdrawn the push around and whisper ride toys after the American makers, Step 2, recalled two and a half million of them because the handles fall off. You know, we get more and more of this. In my day, we were happy with a piece of chalk and some jacks. And that was, a, I know it was a few years ago, but I mean, I know I keep going on about age thing, but there's more people listening who go, the stuff that kids get nowadays. We, you, know, we, you know, I mean, I see all these buggies. There's a McLaren, and there's... The, in my day, there was just one. There wasn't lots of different things. Now, it was a perambulator, and Nanny took us out for a walk in the park, and we were happy, and we waved at other children with bonnets on. We didn't go around, you know, I mean, and we had proper nappies. We didn't have these things with elasticated waists, and the whole idea was that Mummy put you a clean nappy on, and then you pooed, and then she put another nappy on. And the embarrassing thing was being held up in a restaurant and people going, what do you reckon, these changing? And you think, George, I don't want to do this anymore. You grow up being very insecure about everything. But it's good fun anyway. I like it. But uh, nowadays, it's poor old mums everywhere. They go, I think we better actually get a, get a bigger washing machine. And then somebody said, don't get a washer-dryer. Well, I've had a washer-dryer for years. I love it. Because some people do not do outdoor drying. They think it's quite common. Whereas in, in our day, we had a rotary washing line. 
And it was hidden around the back. Admittedly, in the garden, it was hidden. It was down in the servants' quarters. Anyway, so we, we hid it round the back there, and uh, Nanny would sit there and just turn it round by hand, and used to dry everything there. But some people now, they go, oh, no, don't hang out washing. That's why I find it quite strange when you go to, sort of, Italy, and, and you go to Rome in particular, and Anthony Davis was saying he'd love to go to Rome. And I'm saying, yeah, go to Rome, but watch out for two things. If you're a woman, don't carry a bag on your shoulder. In other words, if you have a bag on your shoulder with straps on, there are nasty little boys on motorcycles who will come and grab your bag and drag you down the street. They will rob you blind and nobody will do a thing. Don't ever go to Rome and carry any wealth. Also, prepare yourself for the amount of graffiti that they've got because everywhere is full of graffiti. I mean, a, a traffic, every, it makes London look like, you know, it's just not moving. I mean, London is a stroll in the park in the perambulator with Nanny. You go to Rome, and it's but it's it's nice. It's just it's got all the history there, you know. But we've we've, we've got the history here. I love I love London. I look around. And I go, my God, we've got some buildings. We've got some fantastic places to go to. We've got great great radio. We've got nice buildings and nice people. What more could you want? But I bet you at some point today somebody will be horrible. It'll probably be me. I should imagine. LBC ninety seven. 26 minutes to 7. John in uh, Bangkok says, I tried to leave my condo building yesterday and a red shirt pushed a grenade into my face and says, you go, you die. They've got a tyre mound outside the condo complex to block all the traffic and pedestrians. That's loaded with explosives. I'm going to pass your number on to our news desk, actually, uh, John. I was going to say, nice to have somebody in the middle of it, as they say. So uh, I'll pass that on if you don't mind. Uh, Right, with the racing yesterday, you remember they practically gave up upstairs. And as Alex says, it's not often I want the other tip to win, but I really wanted Susan to show Sam just how to do it. Yeah. Sadly, she failed as badly as he would have done, because <laughs> her shot in the dark was nepotism. Yeah. Came in fifth. Okay. So you lost two. Whereas he had uh, Moanad. I think it's called Moanad. Mm-hmm. Fourth out of 14, so he lost two pounds. Total profit, though, six pounds 40. Your total loss as we head towards the big three zero, twenty nine pounds 84. I think yesterday was a watershed, though. I think it was a moment... Uh... I think it was your watershed. I think it was your <laughs> Dunkirk, to be honest. <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah, I know, but I think we'll, uh, we'll rally stronger after that. I think. Yes, yes. Well, I, I do hope so. I hope so. I, I, I really do hope so. so. I mean, I've, I've, I've got fingers cro- I've got everything crossed that it is possible to cross at my age. <laughs> you know, and it's it's sometimes not that easy. No, I can imagine. So we're off to... What, you can't? <laughs> I'd rather not, actually. But I've got photos. I'll show you later. No, maybe not. <laughs> so today we're off to Toaster. OK. Uh, spelt Towcester. Yes, I know. Uh, so uh, the 640 there, Dundry for Alex. Dundry, win only. Well, five race meetings. Toaster's one of them. They also go at Brighton, Carlisle, Musselburgh and Nottingham. Uh, we're going to Carlisle, the 6.30 at Carlisle, and Electric Waves. Electric Waves. It sounds like you might get a shock with that one, but yeah. uh, Electric Waves. Electric Waves. It's difficult. I mean, every day I say, I like the sound of that one. Yeah, no, I, I don't even like really the sound of that one, no. actually. But which it probably means it's going to win, but I'd, it just doesn't sound like it's going to cross the line. I nearly bought my own Mars bar yesterday. Really? Oh, yeah. time, times were that desperate. They really were, yeah. <laughs> yes, yeah. Well, fra- well, at the moment, we're, we're, so we're, we're running low on the Mars bars. I've been to Poundland, but they don't have the special offer on them at the moment. Where have they all gone? Uh, I certainly haven't had them. In where? The Mars bars. Well, I, I do have them. Yeah. But uh, I normally stock up in I Poundland, because they do four for a pound. Yeah. Which I think is quite cheap, because they're normally about 60p if you buy them. Mm. And, uh, and I'm, if you think I'm spending more than 25p on a winning horse, <laughs> you've got another thing coming. <laughs> I was thinking, I'm oh, made of money. Well. So, so I had to go for picnics. Okay. So I've got picnic bars at the moment. Not really a picnic fan, if I'm honest. No, well, there you go then. <laughs> well, put it this way the rate you're going, you won't be eating anything. I suppose that's a fair point. Won't make any difference, does it? I'm starving. Yes. You? I'm like my horse. God. 
dear. Honestly. Starving well, for a winner. Well, way, it'd be easier if you actually went to Toaster or wherever. Where's your horse? Easier run? if I ran myself. Yeah, it'd be a lot easier if we said, go, and you ran. <laughs> I'd pay money to see that. Yeah, I bet you would. Phil, Phil Blacker's fighting, I've noticed. Yeah. He sent out an invite, but apparently you have to pay. Yes, I saw that. I was a bit worried. I was waiting for a press pass I was going to say, all these people who, who said they were going to go, interesting to see how many people make it now. Yeah, <laughs> I think I'm busy on that day. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm going to pay extra for the film, though. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the behind-the-scenes documentary. Yeah, I'll be quite good, actually. Interesting good. to see. Anyway, lovely to talk to you. Well, uh, let's just hope we have another winner. Well, yes, I hope so, but I have a horrible feeling we're going to be sitting here tomorrow morning and we'll be doing a repeat of the last couple of days. One a week, that's what we go for. So yes. Tomorrow's the day. <clears throat> OK. See Talk tomorrow. Bye. Bye. There's Sam Pittis. Uh, Ruby says, as a member of the Royal Household, the delightful switchboard operators are so used to having dodgy calls, asking for HRH the Queen for all sorts of really stupid reasons. They handle the calls very well, and, uh, and for the real windows, they connect the telephone calls to the telephonist bedroom and it rings and rings and the caller thinks oh dear no answer and gives up 65 percent of the calls to the palace are actually fake and nothing to do with the royal household the laugh is that all the calls are recorded and can be traced in a split second so think twice before making a fake call to the par- uh, to the palace do you know even that even though you say that ruby the strange thing is that people still don't realize that you can trace computers within seconds somebody can send in a uh, a sort of a dodgy email and you pass it on to the police, they find them straight away. They know exactly where the, where the computer is. I just find it absolutely amazing. Amazing. And uh, Ruby says, why do people have to be so stupid? Oh, because they just are, I'm afraid. We seem to be in the uh, era of, uh, of sort of stupid people. And it's come now back with bad things you say to a man. Number one, do you need help with those shopping bags? I get that. I go out and I'm, I'll be in Waitrose. And I go, I'll have a bag for life, please. Which in my case means it'll last me until I get home, then I use it for rubbish. And, uh, and I'll have sort of a couple of bottles of wine and some grapes or whatever it happens to be. And they go, do you need help packing? Do you need help packing? I always go, I don't think so. I can quite manage that. Um, another one here. This is what you would say to a man. Not a good thing. Shall we stop and ask directions? How many times have you had that? Shall we stop and... No, I know where I'm going. I know where I'm... It's round here. I was talking to my friend Graham the other day. It's very odd, actually. And he went to stay with some people in, let's just say it's out in uh, Berkshire. And uh, he said, oh, it's very nice around here, isn't it? And the lady who owned the house said, yes, she said, Barbara Windsor lives at the end of the road. And I thought, and he said to me, Barbara Windsor lives. I said, no, she doesn't. Barbara lives in town. Barbara and Scott, I know exactly where they live. And he said, well, this woman thinks they live out there. I thought she must be off a trolley. <laughs> uh, another thing that you don't say to a man, which is like a slice of lemon with your Coke. Like a slice of lemon. Ice in a slice. Your brother? Yeah, right. And then the other thing you don't say to a man, is that it? Very popular one. Thank you very much indeed. Because, as I say, he does come from Enfield, so that would be uh, fairly, uh, fairly good. Uh, 84850, steve at uk. Uh, 84850, Steve at LBC. Too true about uh, robbers in Rome. And uh, this one says, I carried cash in my underpants. Well done, Tony. You, can, you know, you can get a belt that you, you put your money in, a money, but it just looks like a money belt. But you're quite right. I mean, it is, it is terrible. A friend of mine went over there and, admittedly, she came from Vienna. Now, in Vienna, in the winter, it is freezing. Freezing cold. So people wear... Fur coats, okay? It, because if you go to Russia, 
Even the poor are wearing fur coats because it's minus 20. And she had a fur coat on and she went to Rome because you cannot move in Rome for fur coat shops. They're everywhere. I mean, they, they, they consider it, you know, quite normal because it gets very cold. Anyway, she's wearing it there and along comes the little gang on the motorcycle, the little moped. They, she's holding it over her arm. They're dragging her along the road to get the coat. They're dragging her. In the end, you let go. But it's, it's quite daunting. So if you're going to Rome, you're going to date. Lovely for the tourists, lovely for everything else. But just be careful. Just be careful. Little kids on uh, motorcycles. Uh, Baz says it was Jane Russell, not Betty Davis. Was it Jane Russell? I don't know, whatever it was. Isn't, who spoils a good story? Uh, see, pure and simple, you're a joy. Makes me sound like a record, doesn't it? Pure and simple. Was it pure and simple? Yeah, which was quite good. Uh, see, Steve, I had proper nappies. Spencer be having you. How could you mix her up with Boyle? I don't, I don't know. I really don't know. Steve, I saw the sunrise whilst on the M25 just after five. Listen to you on my new HTC Desire, says Alan. What the dickens is that? An HTC Desire. Ooh. Sounds very posh, doesn't it? Do you know, the other thing I couldn't get to grips with in the paper today is the NHS Trust... Uh, a mother gave birth. Her name was uh, Myra Cabrera. And she used to work, apparently, as a, as a theatre nurse. And she was killed when an epidural anaesthetic was mistakenly injected into her hand. And she died from a heart attack just one hour after giving birth to a healthy baby boy at the Great Western Hospital in Swindon, where she worked as a theatre nurse. Now, the trust, because the, this drip bag contained the powerful painkiller uh, Bubivaxine, was wrongly connected to a line into her right hand instead of a saline solution which she needed to raise her blood pressure. The mix-up killed her within minutes from a heart attack. They had a month-long debate on this and they agreed to pay £100,000. That's what a life is worth nowadays. It's worth £100,000 if you die as a blunder by the NHS. A hundred grand is all you're going to get. £75,000 was all to be paid and £25,000 costs... Mrs Cabrera's heartbroken widower, uh, Amel, has now returned to the Philippines and is raising their son with the help of relatives. He says in a statement, I'm pleased with the outcome. It reinforced the importance of the health and safety of patients attending hospital and in particular the safe storage of dangerous drugs. I hope we can now put this terrible tragedy behind us. 100,000, that's all it's worth. I defy anybody to say, I tell you what, for 100,000 you can kill my husband, wife, brother, sister, whatever, and I'll just take the 100 grand. Isn't it a poor... I don't know how you put a, a price on, uh, on life. Absolutely terrible, that story. Yeah, because it was stored incorrectly. God, dear. Oh, well, I'll tell you, we had a, a good result the other day. I was saying that I needed to go out and buy some deodorant. And I get it from my chemist, Goods, because I go in there and I buy 12 at a time of this... Do you remember the Vaseline Intensive Care? Because I quite like it. I've tried other ones. I can't do roll-on. I just do... Tss, tss, and it's, I'm quite happy with that. And twelve, and I know you might think, but 12 lasts me a few months. So I said on it, I must go and see Mr Shah and order it. I didn't need to. Loads of people have been into the chemist for me and say, you know that Steve's ordering some more of that Vaseline intensive care. So when I go in there, he's already got it. It's sitting at the back of the shop in a bag. He said, we've had lots of people coming in saying Steve will be coming in for the 12 bottles of Vaseline Intensive Care. I said, you know, it's cheaper than using a phone in this day and age, isn't it? Just get a radio programme. I'm trying to think what I can order from Marks and Spencers. What do I need to order from Marks and Spencers? And I said, are the kids on holiday? You just go in there, I go, I'd like some steaks and Brussels sprouts, because they had a special offer the other day, three packs for a fiver. And I'm thinking, Brussels sprouts. 
How can you... Different ways of doing Brussels sprouts. We, we've tried everything. We love them. We absolutely love them. Incidentally, we love you as well. And we're delighted that even more of you are listening. So that makes us very happy. And the reason is, we tell the truth. It's no good going around saying, that's Steve Allen. You know, he's, he's very bitter in the morning. He's just telling the truth. But the good news is that croissants, naans, baps and bagels, spelt incorrectly. I thought bagels was spelled B-A-G. Isn't that how you spell B-A-G-E-L? They've spelt bagels here, B-E-G-E-L-S. Never heard it spelt like that. Somebody's not checked the Daily Express this morning. But uh, that's what we're doing. We're deserting the traditional loaf for something a bit fancier. Sales of pre-packed sliced loaves fell 2.4%. But uh, everything, is, everything else is, is going up. We're eating naan, baps, rolls, pastry and crumpets are up. Crump- I love crumpets. Love crumpets. Couldn't eat them in the morning. Although, actually, crump... Actually, no, you could. You could eat crumpets in the morning with a bit of butter and some peanut butter on top. Pe- peanut butter on crumpets is the best. I saw somebody the other day with jam. I've not seen jam on toast for ages. No, I really haven't. I mean, I, I just don't think people do it. And be careful if you're having the breakfast, as Sam said on the news. Sausages, bad for you. Better to eat steak. Who eats steak for breakfast? Very rich people. Hattie's heartbreak is in the Daily Express today, and it's a picture of Barbara Windsor topless. Scott will be going, which paper's that? It's the Express. But it's, it's a view from the back. Whew, safe on that one. 14 to 7. With the headline, Sam Pittis. Thanks, Steve. Despite a court ruling preventing us... Point three. Morning, everybody. 12 minutes to uh, 7. Steve says, uh, I happen to be listening to you here in Rome. He says, one hour ahead of the UK, of course. And you're so right, of course, about the amount of graffiti. I was horrified when I went to Rome. And if ever you do a cruise ship, because you can't obviously cruise into Rome, it's about an hour and a half away. You have to go on this long coach trip and you get to Rome. Don't go in the summer because you'll bake... But the graffiti around and everywhere on the trains. And he says, I was just on the Overland Railway yesterday, covered in graffiti. And I thought, what a pity we haven't the technology yet for self-cleaning surfaces that just burn off such mess, like in Demolition Man. He said, I'm back in Blighty again tomorrow. Volcanoes permitting. Well, they are running the flights. They're running most of the flights. So uh, if, if you're in any doubt, check with your carrier, just to make sure. Now, just to really ruin your Tuesday... Are you living in a posh area and you've got a posh postcode? Because postcodes in London mean everything. For example, if you've got the postcode SW5, that's Earl's Court. Now, even though it is bedsit land in Earl's Court, there are some very posh properties. Average price... £782,000 for a house. If you're in NW8, which is in John's Wood, it goes up a bit to about 830000 And so it moves on. Barnes, SW13, 893000 is the average price. Well, that must be very average, because if you go to Castle now, the average price of a house is about £6 million. If you go to Notting Hill, it's W11, up goes the average price to just over a million. And by the time you get to Chelsea... Southwest three, it's one point two nine million. But the most expensive is Kensington, which is W eight, one million five hundred and fifty three thousand. However, the most expensive place that you can live, I know that Bishop's Avenue has got some expensive houses, but if you really want to live in the posh bit, you need to live in Kensington Palace Gardens. Officially the most expensive street in the country. I think that uh, resident billionaire Lakshmish uh, Mittal has a house, and he paid 70 million for it. 70 million. 
and that was some years ago. I think in the basement it's got a marble garage and it's got its own hairdressing salon. <laughs> Just in case you need your hair doing. But the most expensive areas in the country, Berkshire, average price 270000 Doesn't sound so great, does it, if you're in Berkshire? Bath and Somerset, 277 You move up to West Berkshire, 326. Windsor and Maidenhead, 392. And London, most, exp- most expensive area, and they say average price £400,000. That'll be for, for a flat, I'm assuming. It's, it's ridiculous, isn't it? When you look at the price, people up north must think we're mad down here. They say, so I'd like to buy a little flat. OK, a little two-bedroom two flat in Richmond. You're looking about three, two, five thousand. Three hundred, over a quarter of a million for a little flat. Small wonder now that people are asking for, uh, for more money. Well, they are if they're working for British Airways, but it's not going to happen, is it? Uh, eight for eight, five, oh. Uh, Steve, uh, may you need help packing if you were disabled? But I'm not disabled, and I don't look disabled either. Not all disabilities are obvious. Well, mine would be, I should imagine. But, uh, no, they, they, they ask that because they think you're a bit helpless. When my mum's bag was grabbed in Rome, Steve, my dad grabbed the robber off his moped. I, I think that's the best way. I'll just push him off. But the trouble is you've got to watch these people. They're, they're, they're not very pleasant. Uh, Sam says, how was the M&S suit? Lovely. Very nice. In the grey... Go for the long jacket. Don't go for short jackets. Short short jackets are, are not good. Long jacket is better. They do a three-quarter length jacket, and I've got it in the grey. Very reasonable. Very reasonable. So, very nice. Uh, Nick says... Uh, sorry, Rick. Asda Mars bars are five for a pound. Oh. Kevin says the correct spelling is bagel. B-E-I-G-E-L. I've never seen that spelling at all. I must be out to touch. I've asked all my friends now. Hugely high in carbohydrates. Have you tried raw sprouts, says Dave? No. Somebody told me about raw sprouts, but apparently it's quite nice. You can do them in a, in a salad. I suppose you could put salad cream on, couldn't you? I do love salad cream. I've discovered you can put salad cream in just about everything. And uh, Maddie says, the best thing, Marmite on crumpets. Do you know, you're not wrong there. Not as good, I'm afraid, as peanut butter on crumpets. No, it's not wrong. It's, it's just really, really nice. But Marmite's good, but not thick Marmite. Just a little bit, because you don't need to... It's, it's just a bit too... too Oh, not honey. You do honey. See, I don't do honey anymore. I think it's terrible. Uh, 84850. Don says, uh, I'm not sure about the full story of that. I'll, I'll check that out, Don. But uh, if it's £100,000 is nothing, is it, for people, you know, if, if somebody dies as a, as a matter of course because they've done the, uh, the wrong thing. Uh, Karen says, you have to try the crumpets in Costco. They're amazing. All light and fluffy. The whole family are addicted. But what do you put on them? What do you put on your crumpets? We're, we're torn between, at the moment, <coughs> excuse me, honey, or I'll do peanut butter or Marmite. Actually, I have got a jar of Marmite. The trouble is, a bit of an embarrassment, it's in the cupboard, and when I, I did it, and I put it in, and obviously a bit of Marmite's gone underneath it, and it's now solid in the cu- I can't get it out. I might have to take the cupboard down to get the Marmite... Somebody said, yeah, get a hairdryer and run that round, round the bottom and that will melt the Marmite. But at the moment, I I've tried everything. You know, rocket, back, nothing. The Marmite is stuck there. Because no matter what you do, and I've got squeezy Marmite, not, uh, yeah, squeezy Marmite, and you, it never does exactly what you want, just a little bit. You end up with it all over the place. So it's, you shouldn't have squeezy Marmite. Is that really wrong? I wish they'd do squeezy peanut butter. Squeezy peanut butter. I mean, that would make it so easy. You get the little Ritz crackers, you go, <laughs> and then you just eat, oh, delicious. Absolutely delicious. She doesn't like uh, peanut butter. Guess who's 70? She's still very evergreen. I interviewed her uh, quite a while ago, actually, now. She was the, um, the green goddess, Diana Moran. 
70. Frightening, isn't it? Absolutely frightening. She's got a, a new fitness video out. And, um... Well, actually, it's not a new fitness video. It's about Stanner Stairlifts. Because I always think if you've got a Stanner Stairlift, you've got to that age in your life where you can't get from upstairs to downstairs. But I don't need to worry about that at the moment. Uh, Camilla Tomine is the paper reviewer with Nick Ferrari this morning. As he's uh, talking about... He might mention that story about that uh, presenter announcing the Queen is dead. There is a, a particular procedure that if a member of the royal family dies, you have to follow if you're in radio. In fact, there used to be a book guiding you through it. If it's, if it's a minor member of the royal family, you can just announce it on the news. If it's somebody like the Queen or Prince Philip or Prince Charles, then it takes on a whole new different meaning. You have to almost abandon programmes and go on to that, because that, that's something quite serious. You don't sort of play a bit of the national anthem, as this buffoon did on this uh, other radio station, and, uh, and then sort of announce Queen Elizabeth is dead. Just not good. Uh, more in the papers today on the cost of corruption in Greece which is going on, and the Sun is making an appeal to uh, FIFA, World Football's governing body. England is still your best choice for the 2018 World Cup. Bagel and Bagel are both right. B-E-I-G-E-L. It's a geographical issue. New Yorkers adopted Bagel to avoid mispronunciation for visitors struggling to learn English. And Dale says that, and if he's, and he's Jewish, so he should know. So I've never seen it spelt B-E-I. It's always been B-A. <laughs> At the moment, everything's B.A., isn't it? Listen, that's just about it this morning. Got to go. Got to go. Got to go and do things. Got to go and enjoy what looks like a lovely day. Did it rain yesterday? I can't remember if it rained. I don't think it did. But uh, uh, what we'll do, we'll, we'll talk tomorrow to, uh, to Darren. We'll come up with some ideas of where you can go to. If you go to the LBC website, lbc.co.uk, you can find out uh, more about all the different programmes that we've got and uh, how you can take part. Plus, they've got competitions. We've got that great competition running with LG. And hopefully, i better tell you tomorrow who won the Apple iPhone 3GS. Because at the moment, they're not answering their phones. So if you were that person who made the bid of £1.40 on Sunday, it's going to be yours. All we need to do is get uh, hold of you. I'm back tomorrow morning at 5. The blog will be up a little bit later. And then the podcast for all you podcasters. Have yourself a very, very nice day. Hope the weather stays uh, nice for you. Nick will take your calls with his guests on a variety of topics after the news at 7 o'clock this morning. Have a good day. Back tomorrow at 5. But here's this morning's business update now on LBC 97.3 with Sam Pittis. Thank you very much, Steve. The FTSE will